Church, this is Michael Ely, and I'm so excited to be here with the one who we all love, Pastor Daniel. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Daniel. You know, one of the things I love about Pastor Daniel is that he has a great sense of humor, uh, but he's actually a pretty multi-talented guy. He plays the guitar, he even sings a little bit, and he can preach, right? But then I'm like, he's cool because... How are you this cool and drive a minivan? <laughs> well, all I know is I'm really good at embarrassing my kids, and yeah. that makes me feel like I'm doing it right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. So on this second podcast, um, we certainly hope that um, you are getting a lot out of these, and we'll continue to keep these going. Yeah. And so I just want to hop straight in. You know, I've been at CTK now, I think, what, about two months, a little over two months. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm loving the journey. Um, I'm loving the people. I think one of the main things I love the most, though, um, is the mission and the mantra uh, that we hear all the time. All are welcome. No exceptions. That's right. And I think that uh, the leaders really mean that when they say it. And so when you hear all are welcome, no exceptions, what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, I think we should give credit where credit's due. Uh, the phrase is a Pastor Wolfgang original, as far as I can tell. That's awesome. Um, and what's been really neat is that that's become part of the church, and we say it at the beginning of worship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will respond, like like call and response, yeah. which is big in the white church. I mean, this, we don't do this a lot, right? So when we say all are welcome, and then the congregation sometimes says no exceptions, um, it's not... saying it's not interesting, it's living it that's interesting. Right. And when the congregation started to own it, that's when it really started to feel cool. And then you get all these questions like, what if somebody wants to join but they're transgender? Okay, we're, that's a, that's a problem that's worth solving, you know. And then we, we rebuilt buildings in the west part of the building Mm -hmm. so that they could be, um, you know, a, a non-gendered bathroom. Yeah. And then we said, well, what if they're in a wheelchair like Pastor Wolfgang's son, Yosef? Yeah, well, they need to have access to both stages. So we rebuilt the sanctuaries to make sure that they were handicap accessible. That's awesome. And, you know, what if... And the doors. And the doors. Yeah. What if they're hard of hearing? Okay, well, we, we'll work through that. Um, and then you start getting people trying to break it. Trying to break all our welcome, no exceptions. Wow. What if someone who's a registered sex offender wanted to join CTK? This is a question that came to me, and we said, well, uh, that's actually something that I've dealt with before in a previous congregation. Wow. Uh, where we had, they had uh, someone who shadowed them and sat with them. Um, we don't have that right now. But um, having those conversations becomes really meaningful because we really do mean all are welcome, no exceptions. Now you have to follow some guidelines. We have expectations for how you're going to behave. Um, We have expectations for outbursts and for um, anger and rage and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have expectations for how we treat each other and not using um, pejorative language to talk to other people, but you're still welcome if you're going to follow those rules. Absolutely. So it's really important to say all are welcome and no exceptions and mean it. Yeah. And it's also important that those of us who are in those leadership positions particularly understand that there are guidelines and expectations for how we treat each other that are going to be part and parcel with being welcome at Christ the King. I love that. 
Oh, I love that. Because you don't find that everywhere, right? Especially a lot of churches, they'll say you're welcomed in, but they're really trying to change you. And, right. and, and so to, you know, even when I hear it, it's like saying, you, you're good the way you are. Yeah. Yeah. Just get over here and we'll pray your gay away. Right. Yeah. And, and that happens. And it does. I've seen it, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. And so. And that's so much worse. I think that's so damaging. much worse. It's very, it's very damaging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, um, as we continue to go in, I'm glad that as a black man, um, I think, it, it, am I one of the first few on staff, probably, ever? As far as I know. Yeah. And so, and so you know, I, I'm grateful that I feel welcome in this space. And you asked me about how it feels as a black man to be in a white church or a largely white church. But I will say that Christ the King is really working towards diversity. And so, you know, what, what are some of the areas of diversity that you see that are rising in the church? Well, uh, in the four years I've been here, we had kind of a few people who were gay and out, um, but it was a little bit don't ask, don't tell. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've had a, an influx um, of people who identify as both gay and lesbian and bi um, who and trans who feel like they have a place now and they, and they can belong. Um, Having Nathan on staff was our that was our first gay staff person, and then he started a Q Bible class, which wasn't in his job description, but was you know the mission that God put on his heart. Um, and those guys still meet, um, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's um, we we've had some diversity in in other areas also uh, as people continue to find Christ the King to be a welcoming place that's not afraid to talk about racism. Um, not that we don't have racism, we definitely do, Sure. Um, but we're willing to talk about it and work on that. Um, one of our goals in both worship spaces, but particularly in contemporary, has been to have more foreign language songs in worship. Mm. So we'll find the song that the white church, that Hillsong did, and then we'll sing it in a verse in Spanish. And we're actually doing that this Sunday. Yeah, we did it yeah. last Sunday. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and those things really start to tick up. What, because uh, success breeds success, right? Yeah. And so once you start doing that, and then, you, then we start to say, okay, now we've got these wheelchair ramps for people who, who need handicapped accessibility. But we're still saying, please stand. At the beginning of our worship service. Yeah. We're Lutherans. We like to stand and sit. You figure that out. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then Pastor Athena shows up. She's a recent seminary graduate. Mm -hmm. And she says, actually, the way we teach it now is please rise in body or in spirit. And and it says the same thing. But, you know, Michael, language matters a lot. Yeah. And it, it goes a long way to helping people... Um, not only think that they're welcome, but feel welcome to the point that our heart rate slows down and uh, you have to feel safe to worship. (laughs) You actually have to already feel safe. That's good. In order to worship. So uh, those kinds of things, we're really seeing diversity show up in those ways. Um, And uh, I think we are starting to get a little bit of a reputation as a church that's not willing, not only willing to let people come in, but meaning you can come in and you don't have to be like us. Right. You know, you can be who you are. Right. Um, and that's, that's really cool to see. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love it. You know, um, speaking of 
Pastor Athena, you know, we, we both went to Wake Forest. Yeah. And I, I think that's what makes Wake Forest the place that it is. No one is like anyone. Right. You know, everything is a hodgepodge. And yeah. In a lot of ways, I see that with Christ the King. And, and, and I think it's good. It works. Yeah. It works to the good mm-hmm. and, and for the good. You know, as we start to bring it in and, and we're thinking about diversity, um, you know, we can't help but to realize um, that the world, unfortunately, is not like Christ the King yeah. and that churches are safe spaces. Yeah. Um, and so with that, as you look at what's going on on the news, as you look at even most recently in Elizabeth City, mm-hmm. um, how that shooting death has been named as justifiable. And we haven't even, as the public, yeah. had the opportunity to see the videos. And right. from, from what I understand, the family only saw what the departments allowed. Yeah. You know, wh- where do you find yourself um, positioned in the movement for social justice and for solidarity? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I, I'll say that um, I'm on that journey, right? Uh, I don't think I'm far on that journey in any way. Um, and I think for a lot of people who want to help, we start by saying, how can I help? And then it starts to feel like, well, there's not a whole lot I can do. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I'm just saying that's the starting place. You're like, okay, cool. I want to help. Um, I want to make sure that Black Lives Matter and that we can do that. And then you're like, I mean, what am I going to do? Like, I don't work for the police department. I can't. That system's so big. Mm-hmm. And um, racism is such a huge problem, a centuries-old problem. And uh, I think that there are some moments in our quiet time where we just think, you know, it's, this is really hard. This is maybe too hard and not worth it. I, I'm just being honest. I think a lot of people land there. Yeah. And for me That's and good. for a lot of other people, it's been, well, no, there is actually a lot we can do. Yeah. Right. Um, and it starts in our daily encounters. Um, Brene Brown says that... Um, all, all discrimination starts with dehumanization. Mm. When we start to treat other people like they're less than us, mm-hmm. that's, when, that's when things really get out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I make a point to learn people's names as much as I can. Yeah. Um, people that I see around. Because the, the people in my closer circle mm-hmm. um, and, my, and my friends who are people of color, I think, I think we're mostly good, right? You know? Uh, but the people that we meet around, there's a, there's a lot we can do to let people know that they're um, well known and that they're loved for who they are. Yeah. Um, but on the macro scale, in the larger sense, we have to keep preaching. Yeah. And that's you know the, one of the questions as a pastor is always, what's mine to do, right? Um, and that changes from church to church. There are a lot of ways to be a pastor, but in a larger church. I think preaching is a, has a bigger responsibility for us because that's the way we interact with the most people. We don't spend one-on-one time with every parishioner, yeah. even every year, even once every year. Yeah. But we preach to every parishioner every year. And that's so good. And so how can we use that preaching to preach with the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other? And I, I think that's, that's the biggest motive. And, and the thing that I say to people all the time is, there's always someone watching. 
how you react. Yeah. You are a leader, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Somebody watches what you do and what you don't do. Kids, even not your kids, they look up to you, mm-hmm. right? And they think, okay, this is somebody that I can follow. <laughs> and the way you react, how you do anything is how you do everything. And the way you react, even in the smallest moments, um, you know, somebody else is looking up to. And, and they're going to model themselves after how you do things. Wow. Wow. Did y'all get these gems? <laughs> I mean, this man is dropping major gems. Wow. Okay. All right. So let's go a little bit deeper now. Yeah. So, you know, as, as you're acknowledging all of these things, um, we, we hear these conversations all the time. What is your view? Is white privilege a thing? Absolutely. Come on, talk Absolutely. about it. Uh, a lot of people... So um, I'm a big football fan, you can tell. I see. Right? <laughs> and my dad always taught me, everything can be a football analogy. Everything can be a football analogy. And this is one of them, right? We want to talk a lot about how I'm not racist. I'm playing the game right. Mm. I'm not breaking any rules. Look, if I give you a little dig every now and then... And the refs don't see it, the refs don't call it, you know, it's legal. Yeah. But the game is rigged. Yeah. The game of America is rigged. The, the monopoly game that is America. Yeah. When I was born, I already had Park Place, right? Yeah. So then I can tell you all day, oh man, I, I got Boardwalk. Hey, I worked hard for that. Uh, I, you know, I scrimped and saved and I did that. Well, yeah, but the game was rigged right. before you sat down, before you started to play. And, uh, and the more you start to see that, again, I, I think there's a dip for a lot of white people that go, oh, gosh, this game is rigged. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm the worst. And they just kind of get down. Just like you're talking about seminary, right? Yeah. They, they tear you down. And then if there's time, they build you back up. Right. And I think for a lot of people, once they realize how rigged that game is, they get to that pit of despair and then they stop because they're just mm. like, man, this is going to be hard. It's going to be too hard. Um, once I really, I was in seminary before I confronted racism in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a lot of anti-racism training. Yeah. Um, they elected a black president, uh, right after I started seminary. Oh, wow. So that was a, that was kind of a big moment. Um, a crazy moment, which I'm not going to say on the podcast how crazy that day was in Berkeley, California. <laughs> um, but we started to realize, okay, Having a black president doesn't mean that racism's gone. Yeah. And then we saw the way he was mistreated. Yeah. Even though he was the most powerful man in the world, mm-hmm. the way that senators and other people and you know tried to take him down a peg um, all the time. And, and that became, that was sort of when it kind of woke up for me um, to say, oh, wow, this game is so rigged. That even the person who looks like they're at the top is being undermined mm-hmm. on every step of the way. Yeah. You know? um, so I would say that is white privilege real? Absolutely. Um, are there people in this country who, who in their support of white privilege is so harmful and damaging? Absolutely. Um, are they also beloved Children of God, probably. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. have to be. They have to be, right? So uh, I think, I think the 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 challenge for me, and as a pastor of a white church, 
every single day is how do I get the people in the back to move an inch? Mm-hmm. How do I get the people who are in denial of their racism, mm-hmm. how do I get them to move an inch? And how do I get them to not find it, settle in despair, and then just go back to ignoring it? Because that's what humans do. Yeah. When a problem shows up and it looks really big, we say to ourselves, yeah. oh, <laughs> this problem's too big. I'm just going to pretend like it's not there. Yeah. Uh, we could say the same thing about the environment, right? <laughs> oh, this problem's really big. We're going to have to change. So true. Um, so when I think about my life and um, how well off I am, um, I see racism there in the church, even in a, even in the Lutheran church where we're trying to combat racism. Okay, we were just got finished talking off camera about how the synod protects me, right? It, it gives me guidelines. It's it, it makes sure that we're happy and healthy as as pastors. Um, the Baptist church doesn't have that, right? There are there are guidelines for what I should get paid. Mm-hmm. There are not guidelines for what you should get paid, right? No. <laughs> and uh, and not. so those sort of microaggressions, yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, uh, are so real, and they just continue to show how rigged the game is. So I think uh, uh, for those of us who are preachers, the idea that we can bring hope into the into the despair, mm-hmm. we can tell people, okay, we there are little things we can do. We can make sure that salary adjustments are important and that. Um, benefits are for everybody. And even at our church, there was a time when benefits were really for the pastors, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who were always the white people, right? Yeah. Um, and so we could say, well, it's not because um, they're white people. We can say it's because they're pastors. The pastors are the ones who get these benefits, okay? Right. Um, but it's still bared out. It still bears out in the, in various ways, you know? Right, and, and those in, in those ways, the re, the the work to dismantle racism is acknowledging that the game is rigged on every micro level, mm-hmm. and we can't always work on the macro, but we can work on a lot of the little micro levels. Yeah, yeah, and that literally leads us into this final question. You know, you and you talked about it some. Uh, especially on the church level, mm-hmm. but for those who maybe are not in positions of power, uh, those who every day uh, benefit from white privilege and may not even realize it, yeah. what are some other ways that they can work to dismantle um, this white privilege for all oppressed populations? Yes. Yeah. Not just black people, but yeah. all oppressed populations. Well, I don't think most citizens of America know how great the nonprofits are. That's good. Um, Dorcas in town does just phenomenal work. And if you went and volunteered, you would find a hobby and a passion and a drive Mm -hmm. and a relationship. Uh, We had this really cool ministry in Winston-Salem called Circles. Mm -hmm. And the the core of it was they would bring a, a person who wanted to be upwardly mobile, but what they really lacked was connectivity. And then they would say, okay, um, you know, um, Javier wants to be, you know, uh, a, a general contractor. And we, we need to give him access to builders and to bankers and to lawyers and to, you know, social workers and all kinds of stuff. So we would give them the network. 
Mm. And, and what white people have in spades is networks, mm. right? Um, I don't have as many Facebook friends as you, but I have a lot of Facebook friends and people that I can reach out to where my name means something, where my friendship means something, and I can use my networks to get people because uh, access is a huge way yeah. um, that racism bears out. It, it, it's simply access, yeah. right? Access to borrowing money to buy that house. Yeah. You know, access to um, a job interview, access to education. Um, there are a bunch of really great scholarships in the world that people don't have access to, that they don't know that are there. You know? yeah. um, access to good medicine and, uh, and, and good daycare and access to um, preschool, which is a huge one. right? Mm. So um, I see... I see that one of the things we can do often to help uh, people of color and all those who are, who are sort of down in life um, is, is for that hand up, you know. Um, Habitat for Humanity, I'm obsessed with. Yeah. I love Habitat. Most of the things I know how to do around the house, I learned <laughs> at Habitat. <and> Habitat right? <laughs> and Habitat's this really great model where they don't actually need us to volunteer. They could do it cheaper, faster, and better without having some middle-aged white guy hammering the deck, right? Mm -hmm. But what we bring is network. What we bring is relationship, you know? And Habitat always says, we are a hand up, not a hand out, right? That's their motto. That's awesome. Uh, We're a hand up and not a hand out. And a lot of people think that Habitat owners get a house for free, and that's not true. They get a mortgage Mm. through Habitat, you know? Uh, they get something to do, and um, we have so much access that we are unaware of. I'll share one more story, and then I'll be done. But sure. uh, you know, at my church in Winston Salem, we uh, we started a homeless shelter mm. uh, every night uh, for the for the winter. So four months, we had twenty to twenty five homeless men sleeping in our church, and then once we did it, all of the other big downtown churches. You know the Methodist Church and and First Baptist. They all that we had f- up to five churches hosting ho- hosting ho- housing for um, for uh, homeless or people experiencing homelessness because yeah. we started right because one white church went in and the other ones could and um, I learned a lot about homelessness and that's another podcast. I yeah. Think. Um, but just this one story that stuck out to me was this guy comes up to me and he, they called me Rev. I think it's the coolest nickname I've ever had. <laughs> They're like, hey, Rev. Hey, man. What's a notary? Mm. And I'm like, oh, a notary is this thing where you show them your driver's license and then they sign it. And, and, and uh, they sign that you are who you say you are. Right. Well, how do they know me? Well, they don't really. They're just, it's just a person who's got this special clicker seal. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, in order to get my job, I got to get a notary. A notary. Okay. Where do I get a notary? I'm mm-hmm. like, well, when I get a notary, I go to my bank. Well, Rev, I don't have a bank. Mm. Uh, well, uh, you can go to my bank. Maybe I'll go with you. Well, Rev, I can't go between nine and five. I get, that's the pro- I got the job. Okay, it's the word. How do I get a notary on the weekends? And I'm like, damn, this is a huge problem for him. Yeah. This, this is an access problem. He can't do his job. He can't do anything until he gets a damn notary, which means almost nothing, right? right? But it's a huge hurdle for him. So I happen to have in that congregation 
I had uh, two people who were lawyers uh, and one who was uh, a realtor who also became a notary because it was, a, it was being an annoying hassle in their lives that they weren't notary, notaries. So I called one of them. He didn't answer. I left a message. I called another one. And in 30 minutes, they both showed up. Yeah. Right. The power of access. I did not know that I had access. Right. It never occurred to me that I had really cool access to notaries, notary publics. Yeah. But those, those micro moments become the thing that gets the barrier gone you know, for someone. And, and we can offer that all day. And we just don't even realize yeah. how much, how blessed we are to have access. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it and uh, we want you to stick around for what's next. Thanks, guys.